Welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. Hello, control freaks. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with theologian and professor at Luther Seminary, Andy Root. We have been talking about control, and today we dive back in. You know, pastoring and just being a human during COVID. I know some of us are. They are the same thing, pastors yeah. and humans. They, oh, they are. They're, they're, they they, oh, they do true. go together. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but but during COVID, I, I think it was a really good reminder um, that we really are not in control of everything. We no, can yeah. try. And some of the themes that I would often touch on on in my sermons was, you know, you can have the biggest bank account ever. Yeah. But. That could go away one day, and we don't take it with us. We can't really control everything. And you witness people um, who don't have all of our security systems, and that's that Americans especially are used to. Just you witness to their profound faith. Mm. And um, I'm I'm wondering how you know as as we in this time parenting do want to have this control, but recognize that we don't fully have control, how our faith and how church leaders or just Christians in general can really use that as a way to, to discuss that we don't have control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting thing because I think in, in our kind of, well, our conversations about faith or, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because of, you know, we're living in a world post George Michael, you know, you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. <laughs> All right. That really dates me. And, uh, you know, maybe our, our, pop our video. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> pop up video. Oh my gosh. That, that really takes me back. And maybe our, our great producer here can just drop it in just three seconds of that. <laughs> He's nodding and saying, no way. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, maybe now I have to find where I was going with all this. But um, <laughs> that maybe it's because of you know, or or you know, just our, our kind of sense of the way uh, we've become more of a positivity culture overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in some ways we are hyperly positive people, and I think it's because we're really so controlling. And when you're so controlling, you just you actually just cannot handle. I mean, in, in some ways, like psychologically can just not handle negativity and yet i do think a lot of parenting is is being able to wade through negativity um you know so when it comes to faith though like uh, that that hyper positivity that almost to the point of toxic positivity makes faith itself um seem very kind of hallmarky or we use the word a lot you know like you gotta have faith you know or you know it's all about faith and yet I think we forget that biblically and theologically, faith has a distinct and direct reference. You know, you don't just have generic faith. You know, like um, it's 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 similarly like you can't just generically parent. You actually have to have persons you're called to that you are parenting. You know, it's a verb that's directed towards real people. It's mm-hmm. not just a, a, it's not just a kind of loose in the air. And I think faith is similar in the sense that, it, you know, we, we want culturally just to make it like, oh, yeah, you have faith. And it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you have faith in. Just have faith. Well, really, no. Like, you have to have faith in something dis- 
distinct. And so faith is always faith in Jesus Christ. And the thing about having faith in Jesus Christ is it is it's deeply risky. And what's risky is that that at the center of the story, at the center of the very life of Jesus Christ is the cross. And it is the overcoming of death with life. And that faith is the jumping forth, the, the holding on to um, that this God made known in Jesus Christ will take what is dead and make it alive. And that you have faith that no death can hold you down. That no monstrous uncontrollability can actually determine your destiny. Mm-hmm. That um, that only Jesus Jesus Christ can can do that. Um, and so I think there is a deep sense that faith is the entering into some kind of acceptance of uncontrollability, but also to know that this uncontrollable God has control. But what's fascinating about the gospel story is God gets control of the world by taking on all the uncontrollability. I mean, really, the cross is the Roman weapon of control. You know, that anyone who seems to be bringing um, crime or a revolution of uncontrollability to the Roman system gets crucified as a way to bring control back to society. And in this really profound way, uh, God breaks that and breaks the monstrousness of it by taking on all all the, the, the kind of devious and demonic and, um, and evil forms of, of control. Um, and even all the, the kind of devious, monstrous ways of uncontrollability and bears those and brings life out of them. And so, I don't know, I think every part of our lives, from from parenting to just our day-to-day lives, is that the profundity of faith is to believe that the story of the person of Jesus Christ bringing life out of death, and the faith that where there is death, the God of Israel is at work. That's quite risky, too. You know that it's quite a quite a risky thing because you know you think about it in the context of parenting, no one wants their kids to experience death or you know and when I mean death, I mean broadly like experiences of death, like feeling excluded or um, feeling bullied or feeling you know feeling just deep senses of 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 regret or um, disappointment. Uh, we want to protect our kids from that, and and I think well we should, but. There also is a kind of profounder horizon that that we also lean to that I hope we can parent out of and we parent best out of when we believe that such experiences of death and loss are bore, are, 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 are taken up inside the very life of God, inside the very love of the Father to the Son. And that to uh, experience those through the power of the Spirit is to, is to be taken up into the very life of, of God so that... Uh, so that uh, where we have these experiences of 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 death, God is moving. So in my you know with my my daughter uh, a few years ago, I guess this was probably before the pandemic. She was just 
she was just having a really hard time at at school and she and she does you know she struggles with school school's not easy for her and it was like right in the middle of like early middle school days and so you know there was a lot of like you know tension with friends and and you know I don't know I don't want to be like a gender essentializing but there is a deep kind of sense of like you know seventh grade girls and the and the, you know like the brutal the, the, yeah the negotiation <laughs> yeah. of that you know yeah. so she was dealing with all that and um and so I was praying with her before she went to bed and uh and she said you know she said things are really hard and things are really hard and I had this deep temptation that like I wanted to fix everything but I felt like the 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 most formative thing I could do that would like witness towards faith was just to remind her that when things feel impossible or when things feel hard or when things feel heavy when it feels like the 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 shadows of death are cast and and isolation and alienation is present um that the people of god take a deep breath at those moments and start to prepare start to look start to know that the conditions are right for this god to move because this god is a god who takes what is dead and makes it alive now there's no formula here it's it's uncontrollable so there's no like easy three steps that you can manipulate such things but at the same time we know that this god is a god who ministers and so when there are situations of deep barrenness like with uh sarah's womb and and stuckness and uh in israel and egypt and uh when there when these situations occur we also what faith is is starting to prepare starting to look starting to notice that these become the very moments where um where god moves where god takes what is dead and makes it alive and so um yeah somehow being able to join i guess it takes us full circle and being able to join our our kids in those moments um i think then really testifies to to this actuality of a God who moves in this way. Um, and I think often we can't because we feel so uncomfortable with them. We just want to fix them. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the rare moments in my own parenting where I could just tell her that, yeah, this is hard and I'm here and together. Let's start looking. Let's start, let's start anticipating. Let's start preparing. Like the weather pattern is right. If you will, you know, the, 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 the signs are that maybe our God is going to move now. And, and, uh, and come to us and minister new life to us. Two things that you said that really struck me that I just love is, one, validating how mm. your daughter's feeling. And I think it's so easy for us to hear a middle school drama, you know, heartbreak, whatever it might be, and as adults think, oh, this is nothing, you know, and try to fix Believe it. Believe me, I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have my bad moments, believe me. I mean, we want things to be okay. We want them to know mm -hmm. because they will reach adulthood. They will know this yeah. breakup. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I wore the yeah. wrong color pink, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. But it's so important to show mm -hmm. our children that we are with them and and validate that how they're feeling is worthy of, you know, this moment and my attention. And it's also a powerful um, moment, which brings me to my second point, that you're pointing back to God in it. Because I find that a lot of families 
Um, and this is my own upbringing. You know, they expect that the Christian formation happens at church where you mm-hmm. go to church. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in this day and age where there's more sports, there's more hobbies and things competing mm-hmm. for time, that church kind of falls down mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to the back burner, the bottom of the list, that I feel passionate about helping families be equipped um, to have these conversations at home, whether it be a a song that they can sing with their Mm. preschooler or to have these conversations in the car. I think a lot of high schoolers open up in a car. So I've been driving youth group Mm -hmm. kids around for a long time now. And I always get surprised that the things that they're willing to start talking about in the car, it makes you wonder if they remember who you are or that you're even there. But um, there are spaces, the dinner table, in those moments of grief, instead of diminishing it, teaching them how to see the signs, how we are people of faith. And this is what we believe, Mm -hmm. that God nothing's wasted on God Mm. and how can we grieve with hope Mm. and how can we trust that God is going to work something out or what does God want us to do in the situation or how does God want us to respond? Um, I think that's really powerful as a parent and you don't need to be a biblical scholar. Mm. You don't need to be a pastor to start doing these simple things at home. Yeah. 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 And you know, and, um, you know, uh, in, in my house, I'm a theologian and my wife is a pastor. And, I, and I, you know, so are my poor kids. Yeah. But uh, I don't know that we do. Uh, there are a lot of practices we do, you know, and, and big ones like going on this pilgrimage and things like that. But, you know, I think it's so also so easy to feel a deep level of like judgment, like, oh, we don't do enough or we said we were going to do this with them. You know, like we, we have like these baptismal candles, you know, and, and when we, and when they were little, probably up until they were like seven or eight on their baptismal day, we would light this candle and we would remember their baptism. And now we don't know where the baptismal candles are <laughs> anymore. Like, you know, like that, that stuff just kind of drifts away too. And so it's also very easy to live under the, like the guilt of that, like, oh crap. But I think one of the places we can just start and continue to do I just think a lot of parents, anyone who's probably listening to this podcast, would, would, would fit into that. That faith, the church, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, that this all still matters in some way to you. Even if it's, you know, you move in and out of doubt and you, you're you not sure where you're at with every question. There, there's still a sense that something that's kept you interested or there's something peculiar about it that keeps you searching and you're you are searching in in some ways sometimes more vigorously than others but i often think that especially kids who are raised around the church very rarely do their parents tell them why this matters to them and even if that's like i don't know i've done this my whole life and there is something at certain times all you know not every sunday maybe Sometimes only a few times a year, but there's there's a times where I feel reached for by God. Or I had this experience when I was 12 years old, and it was at a church camp, and I really felt like God spoke to me, or or God moved in my life. Or there was this you know Sunday school teacher I had, and you know I've never been able to shake this thing because what this person it did. The, there's some way of narrating why this matters, and I I think in so many families those those stories aren't 
told in some ways. And, and I think that becomes really important. Um, you know, I, I think there is a real challenge in our cultural context because, I, I, you know, there, there's at least there's at least a segment of the population that you can you know, find online and YouTube and things like that. And, and, you know, certain authors and things like that who, who really you'll, you'll see this pop up often kind of culturally that people who ha- need faith particularly as we were saying, like that has a reference in God, like that believe there's a God, um, the people who still you know, participate in the forms of organized religion and Christianity particularly, well, these are just kind of immature people. You know, these are, these are people who need a crutch to, to survive. And the truth of the matter is that um, if there are not deep stories told on why the people in our lives, particularly our our mothers and fathers, you know, and I don't just mean that biologically, but like the the, the generation before us, why they held on to faith, why they the the, the practices they did, the the experiences they had, if those aren't articulated, then that argument that it's just some kind of mental crutch will land with even a lot of our young people who go through our churches and, and who are part of our, our, our Sunday school and things like that, it will land. They're like, oh, my gosh, yeah, like all we ever did at Sunday school is coloring sheets. And, it, uh, yeah, and then we were, you know, just yelled at for being quiet, needing to be quiet. And, yeah, my parents used to go, but I don't know why they ever went. I mean, I don't know. I don't think my parents were particularly religious or pious people, but they went and, yeah, I guess it all really is just like a a, a pretend cosmic uh, pacifier. But if you've been told the stories or even watched your grandmother pray through your grandfather's cancer treatments or you knew that your mother told you stories about, you know, her encounter with God and times where she felt so utterly alone um, – like then all of a sudden that 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 assertion that people who believe in something divine or cosmic are are really just immature people who need to pacify their their lack of bravery doesn't become plausible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lock down that that therefore you should you know um, become a pastor or mm-hmm. you know just become the elder of a church or something like that. But it doesn't make this kind of simple, this simple assertion that sometimes floats around our culture. It doesn't make it makes that implausible. Mm. You know, whatever is going on, I cannot deny that my grandmother needed to pray, and it gave her courage, and it gave her a perspective, and it allowed her not to shy away from life dive more deeply into life with all of its pain and all of its promise and all of its possibility. Um, so this is at least at least worth exploring or yeah. at least not dismissing. Yeah. Well, amen to that. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking your time with us today and and I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. 
If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Thank you.